welcome into our home and our hearts for Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We're doctors of psychology and the founders of Soul Shepherding. We offer conversations to help pastors and leaders thrive with Jesus in ministry. That's the point of all our seminars, counseling, retreats, and resources. A great way to get to know Soul Shepherding is through our book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. Hello, Soul Shepherding friends. We're so thankful for each of you that have tuned in here to Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier, and we are thankful for your prayers for us and for our ministry, in particular for the trip we just took out to Savannah, Georgia, to minister to the pastors and leaders of Compassion Christian Church there. We felt your prayers. It was such a privilege, Bill, to be able to speak about the Enneagram and Jesus' easy yoke to the pastors and staff there. Compassion Church, I was so impressed with their people. They're, they're hardworking and earnest and following Christ and serving Him. Yeah, God has really grown that church. 8,000 people. We were with 30 pastors, 120 support staff, and lots of other leaders besides. And so that was really fun to work with them. And we're uh, really honored that they're going through our sabbatical guide, taking all 30 pastors uh, one at a time, each in turn going on a sabbatical and catching the soul shepherding vision for that. And so that was part of what we did out there was encourage them and train them in their sabbatical preparations and also their monthly spiritual retreat days they're giving to their pastors. So wise, so smart that they are really looking at the souls of their pastors and their families and willing good for them and putting priority on that. And it was just a joy to have that time to connect with them in different contexts and participate with them in that. Thanks for your participation through prayers. I think most of you know we just finished a series on rest in which we talked about Sabbath days and sabbaticals and featured our sabbatical guide for pastors and leaders. So if that relates to you or a pastor that you care about, check that out because that's something that we really want to advocate for is pastors and other Christian leaders getting the rest and renewal that they need personally and for their marriage and their family so that we can be strong in ministry for the Lord. And today we are talking about shame-free at the cross. We are heading into Holy Week, and it's the most important week of the Christian calendar, and so thankful for Jesus. I love this concept, honey, shame-free at the cross. It really speaks to me because so often, I think early in my life, you know, being a two on the Enneagram, I'm in the, the shame triad, you know, can be shame is a primary emotion for me. And so oftentimes when I would think about Christ on the cross, I would feel shame for my sins, for being so bad that he had to undergo all that suffering. And it would trigger a lot of shame for me. Yeah. You know, I think that pretty much everybody we talk to, Christy, struggles with feelings of inadequacy, inferiority, insecurity, embarrassment, and shame. Uh, It just comes up all the time. Some of us deny it and hide it better than others. But when we really get in touch with our emotions, uh, most of us come to see that we've got some hurts here, we've got some struggles here, and uh, we need help. And this is uh, why Jesus went to the cross. I've been meditating on Hebrews 12. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture for many reasons, but it's especially good for our topic today. And uh, one of the reasons I love it is because I'm a runner, and that's the illusion here is uh, running after Jesus. And the writer says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight that hinders or slows us down 
and the sin that so easily entangles us and trips us up. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. We all have a life race. The writer continues, and these are maybe the best words in the whole Bible. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Mm, That's such a beautiful verse and so helpful, honey, because when I'm in shame, I avoid the eyes of others and even of Jesus. And so it's really powerful. Fix your eyes Mm. on Jesus. Mm. It's sad for me how Satan uses shame to really trip us up in our relationship with Christ. You know, I've experienced this just this week. I've been with two ministry leaders, one of them who was shamed by for feeling fear as a little girl, and how even now it's it's scary and hard for her to admit and be honest and bring that fear into community because her experience was that she would be shamed, that it was a shameful thing. And thankfully, she's getting free of that, and she's learning that, no, it's healthy and safe to bring that fear into the light and talk about it, and that Jesus wouldn't shame her for that. And then another we were with who was shamed for um, actually being vulnerable in in speaking to a group at at her church and uh, was shamed for that. Yeah, religious judgments, uh, it's just the worst thing to go through that. And throughout Christian history, even in the Bible times, we see just example, example of this, of someone who is earnestly seeking God and to do what's right, but is legalistic about it, prideful about it, and uh, judges other people who are struggling or hurting or being vulnerable. And uh, when you are under the criticism of someone who's coming from this righteous tone, it's just devastating. It's demoralizing. So it's really helpful to think about that Jesus was not one who shamed people, and we don't see him in Scripture shaming people. Yeah, and we read here in, in Hebrews 12 that, that when he went to the cross, he, he scorned the shame. And so I just, I'm seeing Jesus in my mind as he's, he's walking up Via Dolorosa Road in Jerusalem, where we visited some years ago and did the Stations of the Cross there that uh, inspired our booklet, Un- Unforsaken. And as Jesus is, is walking the city street there, carrying the cross on his back and stumbling under, under the weight of it physically and spiritually. He's carrying our sin, and he's also carrying our shame mm-hmm. and our fear and our anger and our deep sadness and loneliness, all of the disease in our soul and our body, all our sickness, all our struggles, which, of course, is all connected to our sins and being sinned against and the fall and so forth. But he's, he's carrying the weight and the pain of all this so that we would no longer be alone with it. And this is Emmanuel. He's with us. This is empathy. This is perfect empathy. Jesus carrying the cross that, that we, we deserved. And just to remind ourselves that he is scorning the shame of that sin and that 
painful emotion that we turn in on ourselves and beat ourselves up with stuff. What does that mean, scorning? He's like disdaining it. He's not letting the shame define him. It was a curse to be hung on a, a cross. That was for criminals. That was for bad people. And Jesus was holy, but he chose the cross. The cross didn't happen to him. It wasn't forced upon him. He chose it. He willingly let angry, self-righteous people and vicious Roman soldiers, he, he let them do this to him because it was his destiny to be the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And so he took on the feeling of shame in a way, but he didn't accept it. Mm-hmm. And, and see, that's what we need to do. All of us, I think, at times feel discouraged, insecure, low self-esteem, inadequate, uh, embarrassed, ashamed, mm-hmm. but to not accept that, but to go to the cross where Jesus is and receive that forgiveness, receive that healing, receive that, that smile, the sunlight that pours from his face. And we see that, of course, in full beam on Easter Sunday, but we need to see it there at the cross too. And it's in our passage here, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And I always remind myself of that because it doesn't look very joyful. No. There's a lot of suffering, yeah. brutality, but Jesus finds a joy, certainly in heaven, in the hope of heaven and redemption and reconciliation and all that. But he also finds it in, in the crosswalk. He finds it in the presence of the Father, the love of his Abba that's sustaining him. And this is, he spent his whole life in this intimacy with his Abba. And this has been so helpful for me to understand and doing the Stations of the Cross using your Unforsaken with Jesus at the Stations of the Cross book has really helped me with that, to see that, to see that relationship of love with Jesus and his Father sustaining him. Yeah, well, the Unforsaken theme goes back to Jesus reciting Psalm 22, verse 1, on the cross, the, probably the most famous of the seven last words of Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And uh, there's different interpretations of what that actually means. I believe it means that Jesus felt forsaken. I mean, who wouldn't? And yeah. all that was going on, and in, in, it's just human, it's yes. just inevitable that he would feel that way. And yet, he knew that he was not forsaken mm. by God, his father. He was eternally loved by his Abba. And so he went through that rejection, shame, all the effects of sin that he was taking on. Peter talks about that in First uh, Peter chapter 2, that Jesus bore our sins and our sickness there on, on the tree uh, that he was nailed to. And so he's scorning that shame because he's not accepting it. He's not letting it define him. And so he's in solidarity with our experience of feeling forsaken by God, whether it's because of our sin or because of our brokenness or because of ways that we've been abandoned or or hurt by a parent or a pastor or different stresses that we go through in life. We all have times that we feel alone and far from God. And Jesus is, uh, he's God with skin on, human skin on. And he's, I know how that feels. And so he's empathizing with us. He's joining with us and he's overcoming He's overcoming the sin and he's overcoming the brutal suffering that he's going through to define himself in his father's love. So, honey, when you're talking about Jesus being on the cross, and I love your statement of what is empathy if it's not the incarnation? I mean, that's just been so powerful and so helpful for me. And, And certainly when I can look at Jesus on the cross and I can see that his empathy for me, that takes me out of shame. I then, I can fix my eyes on him. Mm -hmm. 
But what about some of us might be feeling like, well, isn't that like narcissistic? In what sense? To be looking at Jesus and his suffering on the cross and instead of feeling like some of us might be feeling like, aren't I, aren't I supposed to feel ashamed? Isn't that what I'm supposed to feel like? Isn't it narcissistic to look to Jesus for empathy when he's mm. in such suffering? Yeah, well, we have to sort of begin our journey of spiritual growth with narcissism. There's actually a, a healthy uh, self-focus, and it's the primary teaching of Jesus. He says, you have not because you ask not. Ask that your joy might be full. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. You and know. that we love because he first loved us. Yeah, so we've got to begin there. We have to begin from the reality of our brokenness, our separation from God, our hurts, our neediness, our sin that needs to be forgiven. And we, we need dignity. We need worth. And that's what God's made us. It's our most fundamental need is to, to be seen and wanted and valued and recognized, uh, not just for our gifts, that's important too, but it's secondary, primarily for our, our person. Yeah, I'm thinking as you're saying this about how Jesus did this with people, how he honored them, he saw them with dignity, even those that were so shameful by in their culture, the women, you know, beggars, poor lepers, and he would say, what do you want me to do for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at them with a face of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I love the story of the, the Syrophoenician woman who cries out to Jesus for him to heal her daughter. And Jesus is with his disciples, and they're in conversation, and, and they're busy. And uh, Jesus tells her that, uh, well, his priority is the lost sheep of Israel, and he, he can't uh, help her now. And seems to be not just setting a boundary, but seems to be being dismissive, if not mean. And so that's a hard story for some of us. Uh, and then we see how, how it ends, and maybe we don't understand. Uh, but she says, well, Jesus, even the little doggies eat crumbs that come under the, the table. So uh, she's really humbling herself there before the Lord. And he says, uh, wow, I've never seen such faith in all of Israel. And, you know, uh, yes, your request is granted and your daughter is healed. And what we can miss in that story is the look on Jesus' face. There is no way that he is frowning at this woman or perturbed with her or shooing her away with his hand, you know, saying, I'm too busy. You know that he's like giving her a wink and he's verbalizing what the disciples think about this woman who's not a Jew and who is the riffraff. She's a, a ragamuffin in Brennan Manning's term. And uh, Jesus is verbalizing how they think about it. Mm-hmm. When, when you really meditate in this passage mm-hmm. and you, you know Jesus mm-hmm. and you take that picture of the love of Jesus into this story, which is what we should always do. God is, is love always. And then you, you see that, no, Jesus is, he loves her and he, he's bringing her along and he's radiating with that shining of face of mercy and grace upon her too. We need to see that. And that's what you're seeing Christy, when, when we started the, our conversation here, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus, it's looking into his eyes, and we need to pause as we read the Gospels and look into that face and see the, the shining of love there. This is, I'm glad to see you. It's the Jesus' famous story of the parable of the prodigal son, and the father is running out to his son who sinned and screwed up and made a mess of his life, and all the people in the town are just mocking him and laughing at him. and but the father is running to embrace his son. And then all the people change their whole focus. And now they're looking at this crazy 
old man running out to his son with his robe flailing open and his undergarments being exposed and he's huffing and puffing and sweating. And then they're all saying, look at this crazy old fool. What is he doing running like that? Look at the way he's sweating. What is it with that guy? And so all the shame father's taken upon himself. And it's the cross of Christ right there. Jesus taking our shame that we feel, our inadequacy and inferiority. And he's taking that on himself. And he's saying, look, I scorn that. I despise that. That is not my identity and it's not your identity. You are forgiven. You are free. You are loved. God, the, the king, the creator, he's our Abba. That's good news. He doesn't want us to walk around under this shroud of shame. Yeah. So we need to see that in the gospel stories. And uh, as Jesus cares for the least and the lowest and the last, he's ministering the grace of God to us. So yeah, this whole thing about our need for dignity, I was just thinking of a pastor I talked with uh, this week, who's maybe the most successful pastor I know, and hearing him talk about how he doesn't feel successful and how he feels inadequate and uh, is tempted to compare himself to others. And think about over the years, people I've talked to who are great Christian leaders, successful entrepreneurs, presidents of companies, other careers who are very successful and wealthy, and they too feel inadequate and like they're not good enough and are focused on their failures and how they need to improve. And we see it in mothers and in fathers and in single people and married people and all, all kinds of people. We and ourselves. Our own <laughs> we selves. We feel it too. <laughs> I think the more I become aware of, of my feelings as we're on this journey of following Jesus authentically, uh, the more I realize that I too am struggling with and sometimes beset with feelings of inadequacy. And so we, we go to Jesus and we look into his eyes. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Will you pray for us? Lord God, how thankful we are to you for Jesus, for Emmanuel. Praise you, Jesus, that you have come to us in the cross, and we just look into your eyes, even now, eyes of knowing us inside and out. You look right into our souls, down into our bones, and you look with a smile of compassion, with a warmth that brings heat into our being. We are embraced. We are known and loved. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you, O oh God, for the cross and for this journey that we can walk with you as you carry your cross, as you're fixed onto the wood, as you spill your blood. And in one sense, it is so gruesome, Lord. We want to be like those women and we just find ourselves weeping for you. But you say, oh, no, don't, don't weep for me. I'm fine. I am in the embrace of God, my Abba. I have chosen this cross out of love for you, that you with me would be freed from shame, from depression, from anxiety and fear and anger and conflict in your relationships, freed from sin. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. You're welcoming us into the Father and Son intimacies, and Easter is coming. Praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, we're so thankful that you're a part of our Soul Talk community. You're making a difference, and we thank you that you're sharing this podcast, our devotionals, our, our books and resources with friends, and 
helping people to fix their eyes on Jesus. We just got an email today, Bill, from yeah. Kathy, a youth leader. She says, thank you for your devotional on vicarious trauma. It was sent to me by a friend, and it explains what happened to me. I didn't realize the stress I was under listening every day to the challenges of parents of youth that I was caring for. Mm-hmm. So we do hope that you, if you're encouraged, will pass along our resources if you haven't yet. Um, benefited from fixing your eyes on Jesus through the Unforsaken booklet of Jesus and the Stations of the Cross. It's not too late. That's available year-round in our store on soulshepherding.org. Thank you for being a part of our Soul Shepherding community. Do you receive our weekly devotional emails? They're inspiring and free. You can sign up on soulshepherding.org. We love hearing your comments questions, and requests for podcast topics. It's also a blessing when you share Soul Talks with a friend.